This episode is brought to you by WeAudition.com, video chat for actors. Audition and get general meetings with casting directors and agents. Get one-on-one career advice from industry professionals. Connect instantly with thousands of other actors to rehearse or self-tape. You can even earn money by being a reader for someone else. Get 25% off your subscription when you use my code ACTION25. WeAudition.com. Video chat for actors. You're listening to Action, the no-bullshit podcast dedicated to the pursuit of acting excellence. My name's Lee Foster. On this episode, my friend and fellow actor Nelson Rithaller and I discuss one of the most beneficial exercises that we have ever practiced. Enjoy. Nelson. Yeah, I'm here. All right. Uh, Nelson Rithaller. What we are doing today is talking about an exercise that Nelson and I have been doing recently that we found super beneficial. And basically what it is, what it involves, is reading a script that you can find online for a movie, preferably that you have not seen, and then watching the movie after you've finished reading the script, watching the movie with the script, and following along. What this does is a, is a number of things that are super beneficial. And first off, what I'm going to say is how this, how I discovered this, because I wasn't taught this. I never heard anybody who's, who's done this particular thing. I'm sure there are people that do it, but I had never heard of it before. But what happened was, is uh, a few years ago, I was going to do a monologue for um, casting director and I picked a monologue from Mud, the movie Mud, Matthew McConaughey, a movie that I had seen and I liked, and there was this one monologue that stuck out and I wanted to do it. So I found the script online and I went to the monologue, and what I realized is that the way it was written was far different than the way that it was performed by Matthew McConaughey. He had moved the punctuation all around, and I will play that for you in one second. Uh, producers of the movie, please don't sue me. Many, many more people will watch the movie that are listening to this. So that goes for all the producers who are listening. Uh, don't sue me, thanks. All right, here we go. So here's the, this is the end of the monologue. I'm not gonna read the whole thing. So basically what this monologue is, is he's explaining why he killed a man. And uh, it ends with him saying, I tracked him down at a motel just outside of San Antonio, period. He was there with another woman, period. That's where it happened. Now, this is what Matthew McConaughey does with that. I tracked him down. Found him in a little motel outside of San Antonio. He was there. With another woman. That's, that's where it happened. So, he says, outside of San Antonio, he was there, period, or comma, with another woman. That's where it happened. So he moves the punctuation all around. And I'll, here, I'll play it for you one more time. I tracked him down. Found him in a little motel outside of San Antonio. He was there. With another woman. That's, that's where it happened. So I found this incredibly... Um, uh, what did I find it, Nelson? Inspiring, insightful, mind-blowing, revolutionary. Yeah, I mean, I found it incredibly revolutionary. Um, I'd never really thought of doing that. And then I started reading scripts that I would find online and then I would watch the movies. And then 
I kind of drifted away from it, but then I told Nelson about it and Nelson went fucking nuts with it and uh, watched like a dozen movies in like three days and you found it really beneficial, right? Yeah, I, I really have. It's been something that has opened my eyes to so many more possibilities of what can be done with a script and what is actually done with scripts because you realize that the finished product of what you see in a film, what, what, what draws you in, what pulls you in at these amazing performances. And one of the lines that you have said many times to me, Lee, is that it all starts with black words on a white page. And it's amazing to see the evolution of how those words turn into the performances that we love so much. And, and, and it's really provided me a couple different instances of different actors' techniques. For example, there are many specific techniques that Matthew McConaughey used to create the character of Mud and the way that he played with the words and the punctuation. Uh, but then there are other examples, like in Dallas Buyers Club, where he improvs so much of that script. Um, you can see the words on the page, and then what comes out is tidbits of, of things that were written, and then he adds so much flavor and takes things out and puts things in. And it's, it's a fascinating experience to see the best of the best, the people that we aspire to have careers like, um, what it actually is that they do with the scripts that they receive. Exactly. And uh, on this podcast, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about uh, the movie Inside Lewin Davis, Coen Brothers movie starring Oscar Isaac. I had seen the film. You had not seen the film, which brings up the point that it's better to have not seen the movie because if you have seen the movie already and you're reading the script you know how they're you know how it's done you know you can kind of hear the words being uh, performed as you're reading the script so it's better if you just have not seen the movie so Nelson and I both read the script and then we watched the movie separately and found some things that were really interesting and the whole point of this is partly to be inspired to learn, to act better, um, but also you can find concrete examples of things that you can do in your next audition. Uh, for example, this whole thing started when, um, I mean, I had seen, I had done the mud exercise years ago, but I went into an audition recently. This was the Chicago Med, right? Correct. Okay. So I went into the Chicago Med audition, which I ended up being fortunate enough to book. Um, it's coming up on Tuesday the 24th of this month, if I get this podcast out in time, if people want to watch it. But I, I was talking to you ahead of time, which I often do before auditions. Side note, I call Nelson and I talk about what I'm going to do uh, in the audition. I kind of solidify it in my brain. It's helpful to do that with somebody else. You know, like if you've made a decision, I make decisions about what I'm going to do in audition. And then I call Nelson and I'm like, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to give this a shot. It's probably not going to work but I'm going to try this. And this was one of those things. I decided, you know what, I'm going to move the punctuation around. Something that a lot of people have told me not to do. Ron Morosco, for instance, he says that uh, as a point of pride uh, for the, the writer, he does not move the punctuation around at all. He does it exact. Now, I've done it exact many, many times, and this time I decided I'm not going to do that. I'm going to take a risk by not doing that. I'm going to move it all around. And uh, so that's what I did. And what was that experience like for you? What do you mean? Going through the script for the audition, because I remember this conversation that we had, and you had pre-selected the area of the script that you were going to make some movements in the punctuation, and I thought it was fantastic. I thought it, I thought it gave so much more life to the character that you were trying to create. 
What was that like going through the script and how did you make that choice of this was the small section that I'm going to try this out with? What, what about that caught your eye? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of hard to explain, but I will, I'll give it a shot. Um, when I have a script, when I have an audition, and this is kind of a new thing. Um, this is new within the past maybe six months or something. And it's been, it's been working really well. I take a script and I try to figure out how I want to do it. For a long time, I thought of how they want me to do it, how it's supposed to be done, quote, right? Like how the writer intended it to be performed and then figure out how I'm going to perform it that way as best I can, right? What I started to do is I started to figure out how I wanted to perform it, how I thought it should be performed, the best way that I think that I could perform it as opposed to the best way I can perform it the way they want me to perform it. Um, and so I'm sitting there with the script and I thought, you know, I've never done this thing that I discovered years ago with this mud exercise. I've never really tried this. Maybe that would work here. And so I went through the script and I tried it a few places and it, maybe it didn't work. And then I tried it in a few other places and I was like, oh, that's interesting. And, uh, just messed with it more and decided that there were places where it really helped. It, it helped to make the words more interesting. It helped to uh, say what I was trying to say with those words. And, and in other instances, it didn't work at all. It didn't work at all. And those I So experiment, experimentation. Yeah, experimentation. Just going through it over and over again and then really deciding this is the way I'm going to do it. That's a really important step. You can't go in half-assed. You got to do it. You got to like really think this is the way I'm going to do it. You got to decide ahead of time. And part of that is calling you or calling somebody and saying... I've decided to do this and this is what I'm going to do. So, so as I was saying, you can find things that you can try out in auditions, concrete, concrete techniques that you can use in your next audition. And we're going to talk about a few of those uh, with the example of Lewin Davis. And I'm going to play you clips and I'm going to read you first the way that it was written in the script, the black text on white paper. Okay, so let's jump right into this. And the first, the first clip I think we should play is, um, is a co-star role. In, uh, in inside Why Lewin do you Davis. Start there? I want to start there because that's the, this is the way that everyone's going to start in TV and film. They're going to get co-star roles. And if you don't know what a co-star role is, it's like the smallest role that you're going to audition for. Um, there's obviously extras, but you don't audition to be an extra. So co-star is like, um, it's a one line or maybe a couple of lines. Uh, and in this case, the line is from Waitress is... Lewin says, how far are we from Chicago? And she says, three hours, period, a little more, comma, this weather, period. So three hours, a little more, this weather. Now, a lot of people, Nelson, let's talk about this. A lot of people could look at this. They get an audition. They're excited about this audition. Maybe they don't have any credits. And they want to do something. It's one line. It's, it's, it's two tiny sentences. And they want to do something with it. And I thought this way for a long time. And I think a lot of people listening probably still think this way. You gotta resist the temptation to do stuff, to add things, add things that don't make that don't that don't help the story. I think the temptation here is to say this line in a way that makes you stand out. That that says, "Oh, that was a really interesting choice." Uh, to say something like, "Hmm, uh, three hours. Uh, I don't know this weather." You know, to add these inflections and to add adds so much more to it uh, because we feel like this is our only shot to prove ourselves. We have six words. 
whatever it may be, to, to really stand out. And I think what we're going to find as we listen to the clip is that really the exact opposite is what probably booked this actress the job. Right. The complete absence of doing anything. And here it is. Hiya. How far are we from Chicago? About three hours, a little more weather. As you can hear, she just did nothing. She just did nothing with it. Just completely threw it away. Three hours, a little more weather. I mean, just nothing. Just said it, right? And she auditioned for that. I was talking to you about this the other day, Nelson, is that when it comes to a role that's that small, co-star roles, the, the director is not probably going to give you, you're not going to have a lot of takes. It's going to be a couple of takes and he or she is, is not going to really be paying attention to you. They're not going to make some huge change. So you're not going to go in an audition and do one thing and then you get on set and they're like, now we've added, we've given this person an accent and a limp, you know, it's just going to be exactly what that person did in the audition. And so what she did, I'm almost sure in the audition is that that's what she did. She walked in, she said, hi, my name's so-and-so great. Okay. And go. And she did that. She did this. It seems to me like, like everything that they're looking for in a role like this is seamless, easy. That doesn't require them any extra work. They shoot it two or three times and then they move on and your time on set comes and goes, but you did your job. You help the story move along. Now here's another one. Uh, this is one that you brought up, Nelson. This is, uh, the role is Nunzio. It's the only time you ever see Nunzio in the film. The line is, Lewin says, hey, Nunzio, as he walks into a building, Nunzio says, yeah, they ain't home, though, period. That's it. Yeah, they ain't home, though. So this is how Nunzio did it. That's it. And there's so many things you could add to this, and it would be the wrong idea. You could just try to play it up, to, to stand out, to be more interesting, to make it, this is my time to shine. In reality, Nunzio is just a little stepping stone for Lewin Davis to continue along in, his, in the story, in the script, and Nunzio is simply there to to forward the story, like you said. And I think, again, the temptation is to do way more when in reality, when you watch films and you read scripts, don't only pay attention to the lead roles. Don't only pay attention to the Oscar Isaacs, the Matthew McConaughey's, the Meryl Streep, whatever. Look for the roles that, at this point in your career, that you could be cast for or that yep. you could be put up for an audition for. I'm actually moving to LA in two weeks, uh, which is amazing and terrifying at the same time. But I know the auditions, when I do end up getting auditions, they're not just going to be, oh, you just moved here, come read for the lead of this TV show or this film. It's, here's a five and under, here's a day player. Maybe you have more than one day on set, but when you're first starting out, look for the parts that you're going to be reading for, the one line, the, the couple words. Maybe you have a couple sentences if you're lucky. Read those and really watch them and see what do they do? What, what is it that got them this part? Because they had to audition for it amongst hundreds, maybe thousands of people submitting for it. And something that they did stood out. And in a lot of cases, I think what we're all going to find is they probably didn't do that much. I mean, when it comes to co-stars, it's really look at what they didn't do. Pay attention an, to what they didn't do. 
it's almost an art of not being noticed while moving the story along in a fantastic way. Disappearing into the story. When it comes to Nunzio, the role of Nunzio, Nunzio would not be in the script if he didn't have a purpose. He, there just wouldn't be a Nunzio. There wouldn't be any reason to have a Nunzio. Writers don't put characters into a script for fun. They do it for a very, very specific reason. And every character has a very specific reason. And Nunzio's reason for being in the script is to tell the audience and to tell Lewin that they're not home. That's it. That's the only reason that Nunzio is in the script, to tell the audience that they're not home. That's it. So there we go. Here, I'll play it one more time. Yeah, they ain't home though. Yeah, I know. Can I use a fire escape? Nelson, what should we move to next? I think if we're going to stay on Inside Lewin Davis, this is a really great opportunity to showcase Oscar Isaac, who plays the lead, and how he handles the the sort of classic interruption moment. Because for us, it was again this this revelation moment of similar to Mud of what are you doing with the punctuation, how he's playing around with it. Versus this is a really common situation of, of someone that classic the cut off the interruption and what Oscar Isaac does. I actually had to go back and rewatch it after you pointed it out to me because it was so subtle. But once I saw it, I couldn't unhear it. And it was a very, very teaching moment for me. What we're talking about is an instance in the script where one character cuts off another character mid speech. This is something you see all the time in auditions. Something that I've always kind of questioned how to do it. And what I've decided, what I had decided previous to watching this, is that I just continue to speak and I let the person cut me off. So the way it'll be written in a script is it'll be something like if your line is, uh, yes, but I was about to, and then there's a dash. So, so your, your sentence is cut off and then somebody else speaks up. Now, I don't like to wait for other, when I'm in auditions, I don't want to wait for someone to cut me off because if they don't cut me off right at the right millisecond, then it sounds funny. Like if I say, yeah, I was about to, and then you come in a second later, it doesn't work. It, does, it, it looks weird. It looks actory. It doesn't really work. So I just think about what I was actually going to say. Yeah, I was about to leave the car, but then the, and then I just let the person I just keep talking until the person cuts me off, right? That works in auditions. That doesn't work very well on most TV sets because they want you to record clean. Uh, they don't want overlapping because they can't get a clean cut. So you don't want to overlap somebody else and you don't want to have somebody else have to overlap you. So you have to stop and have the other person start after you've stopped in order for the editors to get a clean cut. So Oscar Isaac has a line in this, uh, in this film, multiple, but this is a really good example of it. And the line is, I'm reading from the script, uh, Lewin, I don't know, period. He snuck out the door when, and then dash. So that's cut off. So it's, I don't know, he snuck out the door when, and then Gene, another character, played by Carrie Mulligan, says, do you think you're staying here tonight? And then Lewin says, hoping to, Jim around? Lewin, I don't know, he snuck out the door when, Gene, do you think you're staying here tonight? Lewin hoping to, Jim around. So Lewin gets cut off and Oscar Isaac does something so subtle and so small and so brilliant. And maybe he didn't even try to do it. Maybe he didn't, maybe he doesn't even know that he's doing this. But what he says is, 
I don't know. He snuck out the door when stops, lets her say her line clean. Do you think you're staying here tonight? And then he goes leaving, right? Because what he's going to say is he snuck out the door when I was leaving. So he goes, I don't know. Snuck out the door when she goes, do you think you're staying here tonight? He goes leaving. So he finishes the thought, but lets her say her line. And it sounds like this. Uh, I, I don't know. He snuck out Do you the think door you're staying here tonight? Uh, I was hoping to. Is Jim around? Jim's not here. We told you I was so excited when I, when I discovered this that I called you in like a near panic. <laughs> you did. You were, you were very excited about what you had discovered. And, and like I said, you, you, you even told me to listen for it when I watched the film because I had not seen the film yet. And I think the beauty of what Oscar Isaac does there, it's so subtle that, like I said, I didn't even notice it the first time that I watched it. And I had the script in front of me while I was watching this film. But when I went back and I listened for it and I figured out what page it was on, it was a very interesting moment because I had never grasped or, or considered the idea of doing something like that. And then when you see it in practice, it worked so well, particularly for this character. And I think that's one of the things that we'll touch on later um, is that not all of these choices are going to work well for every character. For example, in Mud, he, he plays around with the script so much and he plays around with this punctuation and the sentence structure. But if you watch other Matthew McConaughey films, he doesn't do that. I think that was a very specific character choice. And inside Lewin Davis, maybe this was something that he does for this character. That could be something I could see working for more situations. But when you find those moments that work, it adds so much more reality and life to a scene. This episode will continue right after this. I love audiobooks, and I've been an Audible member since 2013. When you go to www.audibletrial.com slash action podcast, you can download your first audiobook for free. I recommend Backwards and Forwards by David Ball, recommended by Michael Kostroff, Respect for Acting by Uta Hagen, A Life in Parts by Brian Cranston, and of course, Notes to an Actor by Ron Morosco the best book on acting I have ever read. www.audibletrial.com slash action podcast. One thing that I do want to add as a caveat to this entire episode is that the most important thing, in my opinion, maybe Oscar winners would tell me I'm dead wrong, and I'm sorry if I am, but in my opinion, the most important thing is believability. That comes first. That comes before everything. And that is really, really hard to do, to, to really look believable in auditions and when you're, when you're on set, Th that skill comes first. So you got to get that down before you can be thinking about other stuff. If you, if you can't go into an audition and really feel like I'm going to do, I'm going to look believable. I'm going to look like a human being saying these words and thinking of these words on the spot. And they're coming out of my mouth right now. If you can't do that, don't mess with this shit yet. That's what I think. I absolutely think you're right. And you want to take this in, in the proper layers of foundationing of really what it means to be an actor. And the first step is memorize your lines. Second step is how, how can I deliver these lines in a way that makes sense and that is believable? And you don't, you don't want to put the cart before the horse and start getting into all of these fine details of, well, what can I do with the punctuation? And what about this specific situation? Um, Handle your basics first. Make sure that you are believable. Understand the character. You know, you go back to your Larry Moss episodes. Uh, really understand the script, the character, whatever it is that you're doing. If you have a, a five and under, if, if you're a day player, or you're auditioning for a one-line role, 
understand what it is, what is that line and what is that character doing and how can I first and foremost just meet the objective. And then once you start to be able to do that well, then I think that's when you start to have access to the opportunity to play around with these things and to add flavor and to add these really creative choices that are so interesting and fascinating, but take it in doses. Yeah, take the proper steps. And the first step is believability. And I want to say one one more point. And I had a lot of people on the podcast who are much further in their careers than I am. And, and I didn't understand it. I, I understood it intellectually. I didn't really get what they meant. And that was that to not think about what they want and to think about what you want, right? These are not tricks that are going to make you a good actor. They're just not. If you, if you gave these, these techniques that we're talking about here to somebody who didn't know how to walk into an audition and be believable, say the lines in a believable way, act in a believable way, it would not work. It would not, it would not make for a good audition just because you're using these techniques. And even if you give them to somebody who can do believability really well, if you just give them these techniques, it doesn't make them, it doesn't make the audition better. But what it does is it gives you things that you can try, things that you can, that you can mess around with when it comes to an audition. And I, I think that that's really the fun of auditioning is you get to try things. You get to just mess around. I'm telling you, like, I am so much more excited for auditions now than I was a year ago. And that's because I'm trying things. I'm, I'm, I'm messing around. I'm going in and I'm going, there's no way I'm going to get this. So I'm going to try this because I want to. And I'm totally prepared for the, the auditor to go, okay, great. Um, let's try it again, but don't do that. And, I, and I'll go, okay, no problem. You know, with a big ass smile on my face because I'm prepared for that. I'll tell you, that hasn't happened yet. Um, but I'm ready for that to happen and then just go, great. And I can just throw that thing away and do it believably. I think what you're describing is a difference between having the fear and desire to book the job versus taking creative license within the context of the script and having that creative license really be empowering as an actor. Because one of the things that I've heard Brian Cranston talk about a few times in his book and in on interviews, which his book, A Life in Parts, is fantastic. I highly recommend that same, all actors read same. it. Yep. Um, but one of the things he talks about is the difference between giving up your power in, in a casting director's office where as, as actors, we have a tendency to come in and our desire and our need to book a job is, is tangible. They can feel it and it's off-putting versus the difference between coming in with confidence and presenting this art that you've developed, this this skill that you've taken, these words that you were given, this is how this is how I'm going to do this for you. If you like it, great. If not, that's okay. And I think that's the difference between being empowered as an actor versus being in a position of need and and want. And those two things are so they're so tangible. Again, to use that word, they're they're so visible. And this is one of the small ways that you can use to, to tinker with a script and find what works for me. How do I see this character? What, is there any nuance that I can play with here? And maybe there isn't. Maybe there are just times where you have to deliver the line exactly how it is. And that's great because there's a reason and a purpose for that. But maybe you get an opportunity where you see a couple lines or a paragraph or a word even where you think, what can I do with this? Because I feel like there's room to play here. And that's exciting. And again, that's empowering. So it's, it's the difference of, of giving that power away versus taking it and being excited about it and using it. Yeah. And I think a good metric is before your next audition, 
Are you excited about the way that you're going to do mm. the audition? Are you excited about it? Are you, are you proud of the way that you're going to do the audition? Like if you were a, if you were a painter, you wouldn't go in to, to a critic's office with something that you weren't proud of. You'd mess with it and mess with it and mess with it until you go, this is what I want to show. This is what, this is what I want to do. I'm proud of this. And if they don't like it, fine, but I'm proud of it. So are you excited about it? And if you're not, then keep messing with it. Change it until it is the way that you want to do it. And stop thinking about the way that you think they want you to do it. Change it until it's the way that you want to do it and go in with that. And I guarantee that'll be a better audition. I guarantee it. It's just going to be a better audition. So moving on, uh, why don't you introduce this next piece, Nelson? So ironically, we're actually going to stay in the same exact scene that we were just addressing with the interruption between Lewin and, and Carrie Mulligan, who, who plays the character Gene in Inside Lewin Davis, because within that same interaction that we just played, there's another sort of wrinkle that Oscar Isaac introduces that I thought was so fascinating. Once again, once it was pointed out to me, because even with the script in front of you, it's so easy to miss these things, which also is a reminder that go back and study a couple of these scenes, watch the film with the script in front of you, and then go back to particular scenes and just start looking for the small things that, that maybe missed your eye or your ear the first time. And what you're going to see in this upcoming scene is how, how Lewin adds some more inflection to, to a word or to a, to a beginning line that makes it so much more interesting. So his line is, um, it happened when I was leaving or whatever it was, Lee, read the, read the words again. I don't know. He snuck out the door when, do you think you're staying here tonight, hoping to, Jim around? So how Lewin begins his second line is by first saying the word that he would have said by leaving. What he could have done is simply said, hoping to, is, uh, is Jim around? Instead, what you'll hear is sort of the transition between his first thought, which he got interrupted by saying, then he ends with leaving, and then you're going to hear something like this. Uh, and that's it. That's all that's, but that's all I want you to hear is that, but think about, and as you're listening to it, what does this do as he's sort of going into his next line? How does this help him transition and how does it make it so much more interesting to listen to? Uh, I, I don't know. He snuck out Do you think you're staying here tonight? Uh, I was hoping to. Is Jim around? Jim's not here. As you can hear... As Nelson said, he begins with the end of his first sentence, leaving, and then he goes, oh, open to, Jim around. So it's a couple of interesting things. It's a great illustration of pacing, um, mm. in my opinion, which I don't know if that's a technical term or not, but it makes sense to me. Playing around with the speed of the, of the lines that you're saying, right? Matthew McConaughey in Mud is a great example of this. Uh, if you just watch the way he he does the the, the entire script, and and this is I think you'll see this in most films uh, with really good actors is that the pacing is all over the place. They use pacing so well because it'd be very easy to do it to say, I don't know, he snuck out the door when. Do you think you're staying here tonight? Open to Jim around, just kind of like, da da period, da da period. Da, you know what I mean? So I'm one gonna, point that I want to add about that is that. That that pause, that uh, is not in the script. 
True. And I think that is a very interesting thing because sometimes you'll see the word O or uh, written in a script. But what he does, again, he takes the words on the page and then he says, what am I going to do with this? And, and maybe, again, maybe this scene, the, the other scenes in the film, they're, they're just by the book. Here's the lines. Here's the words. Here's the punctuations. Do it how it's written. And then there are moments like this where you have an opportunity to, to add something if you find it. But you have an opportunity to add something that adds so much more life and, and realism to the words that you're saying. Because when you – little little choices like that are what end up creating a character. Right. Let me repeat that if it makes sense. It yes. has to make sense. And I want to say one thing. I read an article um, about a week ago uh, – an interview with Oscar Isaac. Now he's a huge star. He was in Star Wars and he's been in a, a bunch of like huge stuff, but almost no one had heard of him when this movie came out. He had been in Drive. He had a, he had a relatively small role in Drive, really good role, really a good role, but a small role and people didn't know who he was. So he auditioned for this. He auditioned for the Coen brothers for this. I know that for a fact. And he booked this role. So he went into an audition, and he was auditioning against a bunch of other people. For he, the lead. Yeah, and he got it. And an interesting side note is that once he booked the role, while he was filming it, he had a flood of offers of people who'd never seen him act and didn't know who he was, but just because the Coen brothers booked him as the lead, all these other movies were offering him parts. Isn't that crazy? And that, that's sometimes all it takes, which is so fascinating how quickly things can turn. It also shows you that every audition means something. Mm -hmm. Every single audition means something. Every job means something. There is no such thing as a small part. And I think that's what's so exciting mm -hmm. is that even if you book, even if you book that waitress job in this film where you have six words and that's all anybody will ever see of you, that means something. And, and that means that every, every audition is an opportunity that could be the opportunity that brings the next one, which mm -hmm. brings the next one, which brings the next one. And maybe sometime down the road, you audition for a lead in a Coen Brothers film. Mm -hmm. But you don't get there without doing the small stuff, without being the waitress, without being the nunzio, without being maybe the person in the background that doesn't say anything. But when you do have your opportunity, take advantage of it. Do be the one who's going to study the script, who's going to put in the work, make the choices, really think about what is the objective of this person? What are they doing in the story? Because that's how you get down the road. Yeah, never waste an audition. We were talking about Chicago Med, the audition where I used the technique that I'd learned from Matthew McConaughey and Mudd and doing this exercise. Once I booked that, I booked a, a, a pilot pretty quickly on the heels of that. I think I was still filming Chicago Met. Or no, uh, I don't know. Well, it was right around the same time. Largely, I'm sure, because I had booked the first one. So uh, work begets work in this industry. And also, in the, in the pilot, I'm not going to say anything about the pilot because I'm sure I'm not supposed to. I took techniques that I had learned from this exercise and brought them, not the same technique as the first audition as the Chicago Med audition because it didn't make sense for that the, the pilot audition but I took some techniques and I went in to the pilot audition and I used them things that excited me and again I thought I'm, there's no way I'm gonna get this there's no way I'm gonna get this but I'm just gonna have fun and I was excited to go in there I was excited to go in and I was excited to mess around 
I, I completely agree. I love the point that you made about do what excites you. Do what ignites your passion. Because as actors, I think we all have such a strong passion to do this work and to pursue this career that's so... It's anything but steady. It's anything but reliable. And yet still there's that drive to do it. So if you're going to do something crazy like that, do the work in a way that at least makes it worth it. Yeah. At least at least makes the inconsistencies and all and the hundreds or thousands of rejections. At least do it in a way that, that you can keep going and prevents burnout and keeps that creative drive alive. Right. Do it in a way that excites you. Let's move on, because we could talk forever, huh? All right. Um so now that we've talked about some specifics with, with uh, a specific film, and we're going to continue to do this. Um, I mean, Nelson, like I said, has been going absolutely nuts with this and doing like three movies a day. Um, so I'm going to keep doing it. He's going to keep doing it. And I, I urge everyone listening to do it, to try it. Try it once. See if it helps you. Uh, it will. Um, or you're doing it wrong. And even maybe I'll post one on the um, Facebook group for for this uh, podcast and then we can all like do it together like some fucking book club but nelson you have been doing uh, a bunch of movies a bunch of films what have you learned what are some of the general benefits that you've learned uh from this exercise there are there are so many things and and again i think the interesting thing about this is that no acting teacher ever told us to do this Mm-mm. i never i've never read this in a book or Mm-mm. heard it in an interview of saying this is a great tool for actors so i think it's really cool that we've sort of at least for us discovered something that i don't know of too many other people doing i'm i'm sure in their own way others do it but i just never heard it described so there there are so many positives to doing this uh and i guess we'll just start down the list first you learn something different from every film that you do this with. And here are a couple of examples of some films that I've done this with. Mud was the first one, which totally blew my mind. If I was ever geeking out as an actor more watching a film, it was definitely with Mud with the script in front of me because the way Matthew McConaughey plays with the punctuation and the way that he brings this character out of the words that were given to him, I've never seen anything like it. And it was the first time that I'd done this. So it was so fascinating. But Mud was one, Dallas Buyers Club, Manchester by the Sea, Inside Lewin Davis, The Florida Project of Willem Dafoe. These are just some of the films that I've done this with. And every single time that I turn on a new film, I learn something new. For example, in Dallas Buyers Club, I think I mentioned this earlier, Matthew McConaughey improvs so much of that film. And it's all based in the lines that are given to him, but rarely does he say a line without adding or taking away something. And it's fascinating that you have the script in front of you and his performance in front of you because you realize they're grounded in the same thing, but he just brings so much of his own words and pacing and new sentences and takes things out. It's wild. Uh, Manchester by the Sea, Casey Affleck won an Oscar for his performance, and it was really interesting to watch how he took a role if you read the script that could have been very dull he you know he's kind of this quiet guy with his slumped shoulders and he doesn't really talk much it could have been something that was kind of boring to watch and instead he took kenneth lonergan's writing and he brought physical choices the pitch of his voice the slump of his shoulders his body language and he does so much less than you think you could do, and he makes it look so natural. Another, another thing that I took from that film is the way Kenneth Lonergan wrote that script is rather than everything being sort of underneath the next line, Lee's line, and then Nelson's line, and then Lee's line, there, a lot of those interactions are written side by side, and it's fascinating to watch the dialogue overlap of people 
actually talking over each other. You talked about in TV, they want clean cuts. I don't know how those editors got the cuts that they did, but there's a lot of talking over each other in that script. And it's written to be that way. And that was really interesting because I'd never seen anything like that. Inside Lewin Davis, we talked a lot about how some of the more subtleties of Oscar Isaac's performance of of being interrupted and how he handles that and adding some more inflections into lines that, that make it interesting. And in the Florida Project, you learn something about filmmaking in the sense that that script jumps around like crazy. If you have the script in front of you, which you can find it online, and you watch the film, what you'll find is that the final version of that film was edited in a very different way than the script was written. The final film does not follow the order of the script hardly at all. And also, too, uh, I don't know the name of the of the little girl who played the the lead in that film, but whoever she is, she is a child actor worth studying in the sense that I don't think I've ever seen somebody have more fun or exhibit more freedom in the role that they play. She has this huge personality in these big lines and, and she's yelling and she's screaming and she's laughing and, and it looks like so much fun. And I think that's a lesson to be learned of. It's not always proper to do less. It's not always proper to say uh, three hours, who knows, in this weather. Sometimes there is a place to be big, to be loud, to to have this big personality. So what I'm trying to say is that every single film you watch, you're going to find something different. And that's really exciting because you realize there is no one set way to do this. Even in within his different films, Matthew McConaughey does not bring the same technique to every film. Mm -hmm. The difference between Mud and Dallas Buyers Club in the way that he interprets the script and the things that he does is so different. Mm -hmm. And he's probably different in Wolf of Wall Street or in Gold, a newer film that he's doing. So none of these things are universal. But also one of the things that I want to hit on too is as actors, we can feel very isolated in our opportunities to sort of practice acting, right? If you're not in a class or in a play or on set with something, it can feel somewhat challenging to feel like you're really doing something to become a better actor because maybe you don't have access to an amazing class or you're not getting the amount of auditions that, that you would like or you don't, you're not in a play or on a film set right now. Those are all things that can be really discouraging to deal with. And I think this is a tool that you can do anytime you want. In your free time, when you're at home, if you're with a spouse or a friend, you can read a script, turn on a film, have the script in front of you, and do some studying. Because athletes study film all the time. They study their own film, they study the film of their opponents, and they watch what they do for a living. They watch it and study it and say, what could we do different here? What are the tendencies that our opponent does? And I think as actors, we have thousands and thousands and thousands of films where we can do the same exact thing. We can watch Tom Cruise, Tom Hanks, Denzel Washington, Meryl Streep, Carey Mulligan, Jennifer Lawrence. We have access to all of these films, old, great, new, whatever it is. You have access to millions of opportunities to study acting. And I think that this is such an opportunity to empower yourself and feel like I'm doing something to become a better actor. I just studied Tom Hanks and Denzel Washington in Philadelphia. And by the way, those are two performances that are very well worth watching. Go through the Oscar list of the 80s, the 90s, the early 2000s, to the 50s, whatever, whatever film genre interests you the most. Go back and watch those people because they all did something that worked and start to look for what is it besides believability, what are they doing with the words? Because I'll guarantee you, you're going to read a script for a film that you've never seen and you're, you're going to think, this is how I would do this. 
or this is how everybody else would do this. And you're going to hear a line and you're going to think, I would have never had thought that that was possible. Right. That someone could take this line and say it in this way. Yep. And it's going to start to introduce you to so many more ideas and so many more possibilities and so much more creativity within the work that you're going to be doing. And instead of just being in the cookie cutter realm like everybody else, you're going to say, no, I've seen what's possible and I'm going to do this. Mm -hmm. And it's so exciting. Like you talked about, do the work that excites you. And this stuff is inspiring. It's inspiring to watch Oscar winning performances. Watch Dallas Buyers Club and watch what Jared Leto does with his character of Rayon because it took guts to do that. And it is so interesting to watch how he brought this character only from the words that he was given. That brings me to my third point, and I think this is some of the most exciting out – of, out of everything that we've talked about, this is some of what excites me the most. What it does when you do something like this, when you take a script of a film that you've never seen, is it puts you in the exact position that these actors or actresses were in when they first got the script. Mm-hmm. When Matthew McConaughey got the script for Mud, when Jared Leto got the script for Dallas Buyers Club, when Oscar Isaac got the script for Inside Lewin Davis, nobody told them this is what you're going to do. This mm-hmm. is the choices that you're going to make. This is what this character is supposed to sound like. Watch Abe, watch Lincoln and watch how Daniel Day-Lewis comes to life. You never question that it's not Abraham Lincoln. Nobody told him that when he got that script. All he had was words on a page. And it puts you in the same exact place as those people that we all aspire to have careers like. It puts you in the same position of you have a script. You don't know what the final project looks like. What would you do with it? As you're reading this script, think about how are these lines sounding to me? What are some thoughts or ideas that I would have? Take notes as you're reading it because you are in the same position as all of those people that have been on stage for Oscars, for Golden Globes, for Emmys, and you're in the same spot that they were. Mm -hmm. That is so exciting because it, it equalizes the playing field. If only for the first time you're reading the script, you feel just like them. And it's such an opportunity to to sort of measure yourself up to them, not in a sense of, am I as good as them, but what are my ideas that I would bring to this? And then what did they do with this? Mm -hmm. And what can I learn? Mm -hmm. And what would I have done differently? Because maybe you're going to watch something and think, you know what, I still like my idea better. And that's exciting Mm -hmm. because that's empowering because you think, damn it, I'm learning stuff. And I think this choice is great. Mm -hmm. And that's what's going to fuel you in an audition room. So not, not only do you, you learn about filmmaking, you learn about scripts, you learn different actors' techniques. Not only does it feel empowering to feel like you're doing something to advance your career, but it puts you in the same position of the people that we all love their work so much. To watch The Devil Wears Prada, and you've never seen it before, but you you, you read the character that Meryl Streep is then going to play, she was in that same position too, and how cool is that? So there are so many, there are so many benefits as an actor to do something like this because it gives you some more reason to take that power back rather than give it away. And it's, it's, it's something that I've done quite a few times now, and I have no intention of stopping because it's added so much more life and excitement in a time where I'm not in class or I'm not on set. And yet I still feel like I am doing this and it's so freaking cool. Yeah. You hit on, you hit on, I think the most important point. And, and that is that when you're looking at the script, you're looking at the same thing they were looking at. They didn't have anything either. They didn't have anybody telling them how to do it. They didn't, you know, especially the people who auditioned too. The people who, it wasn't a straight offer. The people who auditioned, like they, they were, they're thinking about that and they're, they're about to go into audition for this thing. And all they have is the same thing that you have. And that is just black text on white paper. 
If you find this podcast beneficial, please go to iTunes and give me a rating and review. I'm Lee Foster. Thanks for listening.